we doing today? Doing good on this beautiful spring morning. I just love it when it rains and it's time for church, don't you? Just a wonderful time. Look, I'm so glad you're here. We're excited that uh, you're here to be with us today. If you're our first time guest or you're kind of hanging around, we just welcome you. If you've been here for many, many times, you're also welcome. Did you know that? That regular church people are still welcome in the church. What do you think about that? Isn't that good? Come on now. I know sometimes maybe you wonder, why do we do the same things over and over? Like I've heard that announcement about the growth track so many times. Like if I hear it, well, if that's you, then that announcement's not for you. <laughs> Those announcements like that are for new people who, who are getting oriented to what's going on in Northwood. And we're gonna share a little bit more about that in a minute. But we've entitled this particular series next because it has everything to do with what are we going to do next. So to start off with, I want you to interact with me again, okay? You did so well last week, you who were here, you did so well. I want you to just interact with me again, but th this is just this is real, real simple. Uh, and, and don't get all uptight or anything like that, you know. And, and I guess if you don't want to participate, you don't have to, but, but help the man out a little bit, all right? I just was wondering how many of you have been a Christ follower, been born again, been saved, or dedicated your heart to Jesus more than 20 years ago? Raise your hand. More than 20 years ago. Look, that's, that's real good. Come on now. Now, uh, how many of you about, about 10 years ago or so, you, you, you've done, you did, raise it up high so I can see it. Come on, come on. 10 years ago, okay. All right, how many of you uh, say, let's say uh, five years ago, raise your hand, it's been about, about five years that you've dedicated your life to Jesus, okay. Uh, how many of you has been less than one year that you have given your heart to Jesus? Raise your hand, at least one year. Come on now. That's great. Isn't that great? Come on now. And the wonderful thing about all of this is that no matter where you are, whether you've been uh, dedicated to Christ for 35 or 40 years, some of you has been 50 years, or you're just 50 days old in Jesus, everybody needs to take a next step, no matter where you are. You know, how would it be if you're, if you're a little toddler, you know, finally climbs up to the coffee table and, and, finally, and makes one step, and then that's the only step they ever take? You would think something's wrong with that. It's like, come on, take the second. You know, the first step is exciting, but when they put two steps together, wow. And then when they walk clear across the room, you are like just plumb excited about it, aren't you? It's like, man, every, take a video, hope it goes viral. My kid is taking four steps. Like nobody's ever taken four steps before, but not your child. So in your child, of course, is real special. So it doesn't matter where we are on the journey of, of life with Christ, their next steps. You know, uh, in, in a couple of weeks, Jan and I are going to take a vacation. And we're going to go to New York and then up to Maine and things of that nature. But uh, I, I thought about the Empire State Building when I was thinking about steps. And, and you know, how many of you know how many steps are in the Empire State Building? Well, if you didn't know, there's 1,860 steps uh, from the bottom floor all the way up to the top of the Empire State Building. And uh, we're going to visit that thing. And uh, I told Jan, we're going to run up all 1,860 steps. <laughs> Not really. We're taking the elevator to the top, you know what I mean? And sometimes in, in the Christian life, we want to take the elevator right to the top, and we, kinda not, we don't want to take certain steps, and we feel like somehow we're going we're gonna to do that. Well, it's, it doesn't happen that way. There's really no elevator uh, in the things of God like that. There's line upon line, step upon step. We grow here a little and there a little, and we move forward with God. And, and so with that, I wanted to read out of the book of Philippians chapter 2 
and verse 12 that says, work hard. The Apostle Paul says, I want you to work hard to show the results of your salvation. I want you to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Just an action-packed verse of scripture here. He says to work hard. Now, now let me explain work hard real quick. What God is saying, he's not saying, I want you to work hard to please me in the sense of, of that's the only way you can come to me. A lot of people feel is that way with God, that if I can do certain good things, uh, I, I will get to God and, and things of that nature. But God, he's not saying, he's saying, because you've come to me, work hard to show the results of your salvation. Not so that you would get saved. There's no way you can work for salvation. It's a free gift. But once you are saved, once you've received salvation, you want to work hard to show the results of salvation. And that's what the apostle is teaching us right here. Last week at Northwood, 150 people raised their hand and indicated that they wanted to follow Jesus. Come on, I think that's just wonderful. 150 people at all three of the locations. Not only that, it was the largest crowd in the history of Northwood Church. Uh, over 2,600 people, you know, chose to visit with us and, and worship here and, and just hear the word of God about the resurrection of Jesus and about, about that we are not good people, but we are forgiven people. Come on. And so we're excited about what, what is happening there and that God is working in us. Now, uh, the, the thing about this thing of God working, he says God is working in you, means that it's sort of like a joint effort between God and yourself working together. It's not like I'm all by myself out here. And it's not like God is doing everything that, that, that he will do all by himself. He joins us together as we work together. And as we work together, it's a, it's a constant process. So if you've been saved 40 or 50 years, I want to tell you that tomorrow's a new day. It's a new day and everything is renewed daily in the kingdom of God. You don't get old in Jesus. You might get old in life and your body might be feeling certain things. But in Jesus, your spirit is renewed every day. It's brand new every day. And so, with these new steps, the Lord showed me something a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I shared it in first Wednesday, but I want to share it again about steps in life. And he kind of showed it to me about marriage, but then he just expanded it. It's really in every aspect of our life. And that is that every time you come into crises in your life, you're going to need new stuff, so to speak, there are going to be new demands and new requirements to get to the next level. For instance, if you're a single person in here today, uh, if you're planning to get married, I want to let you know that you're headed for a crisis. Now, <laughs> you see, just by your reaction, I know that you think that crises only means negative. But crises is positive. It just, it's just a season of change is what it really is, uh, whether it's positive or negative. So crises, let's look at it in the positive sense. When you're single and you want to get married, you, you, you're on a plateau of singleness. And when you come to that cliff face of marriage, you're going to have to do something a little different once you to, to get up there. You've got to change your way of thinking. The problem with most single people is when they get married, they don't change their thinking. And they try to live single being married. And that ain't going to get it, Jack. You hear what I'm saying? Uh -uh. You want to go get a pizza at 1130 at night? You've got to ask mommy if you can do that now. 
You want to go see a movie? You don't just get there buy one ticket and go watch the movie. You got to find out, baby, you want to go see this movie. No, I don't, I'm not sure I want to see that movie. There's too much blowing up and killing in it and all that. I want to go see You Got Mail. Some girly movie. I know that's an old movie, but you understand what I'm saying. I don't watch many girly movies. I like, I like shallow themes of blowing everything up on the whole earth. If I'm going to escape, let me just really escape in the blasting up and killing. And, uh, you know, of course, it's not really killing. You understand that they're, they're just actors. And, and then when you move from marriage to having children, guess what? When you're on the plateau of being married, then children come. You better change something because you've got to go up that cliff face. And it goes on and on when the children are teenagers, another cliff face. Whenever you, uh, the children leave, another cliff face of the empty nest. I love the empty nest. I love my kids. I love the empty nest. <laughs> Hold on, don't buy that new house yet when the kids leave. You don't need a bigger house. And then as you age in marriage and life together, there has to be changes. There are continual plateaus and cliff face. And so it is in the kingdom of God. And so it is with all of us. And so today, uh, the thing we want to do, can, can you just promise me one thing? Promise me that today you will hear and you will obey. That you will hear and that you will obey. Now I can make you hear, but I can't make you obey. I can let you hear, but you must obey. And so first of all, we're going to give you some steps, really in two categories. The first is, I want to talk to you about a Philippian jailer. In the New Testament, in the book of Acts, in the 16th chapter, there's a story about two apostles, Paul and Silas. They go into the city of Philippi, and they're just men of God, and they want to go preach the gospel. I mean, they're spreading the gospel. And so as they're going around, all of a sudden, this young woman starts following them every day. Every day she's following them, and every day she's shouting, these are men of God. These are men of the most high God. And, you know, most preachers would say, I sure am. Now, this woman was a fortune teller, and she worked for people. She was really owned by other people, and she would make money that way for them by telling fortunes and other things. And so she follows them around for a long time, and finally, Paul just gets fed up with it. You know what I'm talking about? He discerns that it's a demon spirit. So he turns to the young woman and he casts the demon out of this woman right there in the show. Bam, out. And so now she loses all of her power. And her masters get real upset at that because that's the way they made their money. And so they, they cook up a big problem in the, in the city. There's a mob that forms. The officials of the city get Paul and Silas and they say, you know what? You're causing us a lot of problems here. And they... they, they what they tell them is this, go and beat them with wooden rods and then I want you to put them in jail in the center of the jail. And so they beat Paul and Silas with rods. They put them in the center of the jail. They put stocks around their feet. They got them locked in the very center and everything seems to be going all right for the city of Philippi. Everything quietens down. But at midnight at that night, now here's Paul and Silas. They are beat up. They start singing praise to God. They might have been singing, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm sure it was some wonderful chorus that came out of their heart. Their backs were beaten, but their hearts were open. And they begin to praise God. And then all of a sudden, God sends a supernatural sign. He sends a great earthquake. The whole prison shakes. The doors fling open. The stocks fall off of their feet. And the Philippian jailer is there. 
and he, is, he, he understands what's going on. He sees all the doors are open. Well, his first inclination and mine would be also that the prisoners are going to escape because if I was in prison in Philippi and an earthquake came and the doors opened up, see you later. I'd be out of there. How about you? And so he realizes that it's his responsibility to take care of these prisoners and that he knows that when uh, prisoners escape, they demand the life of the jailer. That is the way they did business. And so he's all upset and he, he, he goes in and he sees what's going on. So he takes his sword out and he's about to kill himself. And the apostle Paul shouts out and say, don't kill yourself right now. We are all still here. And right then, what would have been your next question to, to Paul? I'd have counted prisoners. I don't know about you. I got 13 and I got 13. I'm all right. Okay, and I get back in the stocks. But Philippian jailer turns to the apostle Paul and says, Men, what must I do to be saved? The Philippian jailer, a Gentile, outside of the promises of God, finds himself in a supernatural revelation of a demarcation point, a cliff face, if you would, of what must I do to be saved? Apostle Paul says, believe on the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved, you and your household. And so the Philippian jailer, somehow or another, evidently has authority, he takes these two prisoners to his house. It's in the middle of the night. And in the middle of the night, the two apostles expound the word of God to his family. And they all believe. It's that simple. They didn't know about God. And before the night was over, the whole family is believing they even washed the backs of the prisoners. Can you imagine that? The jailer washed. They did that. They cared for their wounds. And then the Bible says the whole bunch of them, the whole family, the Philippian jailer and all of his household, which could have been his kids and grandkids and, 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 and brothers and sisters, I mean, an extended household, they all were baptized. Every one of them. Do you know what your first step after you believe is? is to be water baptized. To be water baptized. In the book of Acts chapter two, verse 41, on the day of Pentecost, Peter, the one who denied Christ three times, now he is filled with the Spirit of God, and he goes out on the porch of where they were, and he preaches the gospel, and 3,000 people get saved. 3,000 people believe, and you know the first thing that happened that day before the sun went down? 3,000 people were baptized. The first step of obedience your next step, if you have not taken it, is water baptism. And water baptism to some seems so ridiculous. I mean, dunking me underwater, what does that have to do with anything? Well, you know what? God could say, climb a tree. God could say, you know, wear a, a red bandana around your head. He could, he could have said all sorts of things, but he said, be water baptized. Because we know that water baptism is a type and shadow. It's, a, it's an outward appearance of what has already taken place inside of us. We die, we're laid in a grave, the old man is buried, and then the new man is uh, risen to new life. And so many people don't get water baptized. Sometimes only 20% of people that commit their life to Christ ever get water baptized. Because there's no importance put on this thing of water baptism. But yet in the book of Acts and everywhere in the New Testament church we see people believed and they were baptized. And so you say, well, what, what, what do you, well, let me ask you this. If every time water baptism is mentioned 
If you have an uneasy feeling inside of you, if it causes a problem in your emotions, that may be a good indication that your conscience is not clear concerning water baptism. It may be that when you were five, you got water baptized because your cousin got baptized. And you've been holding on to that, but every time it's mentioned, you say, man, you know, I just, I don't, I'm telling you, your conscience is not clear concerning water baptism. And you need to be water baptized. It's your next step of being obedient to Christ. And by the way, we grow through obedience to Christ. That's where growth comes. It's not, well, I'm going to be disobedient to Christ. And some people say, well, well, you know, did Jesus really say be water baptized? Well, Jesus was baptized. And some people need a lot of teaching on it. Jan and I, when we got saved, we hunt the preacher down. You need to baptize us. We saw in the Bible, Jesus got baptized. And I figure if it's good enough for Jesus, it's got to be good enough for Van de Cody. So water baptism is where we're going to move. You say, well, when can I do that? I'm glad you asked me. Your conscience is, is beckoning. Uh, uh, when? The first Wednesday in May, May 6th, right here at Northwood and Gulfport and all other locations, we're going to be water baptizing. Go online. Before you leave today, you go in the hub, sign up, northwood.tv slash baptize. Go ahead and sign up, and let's get this next step taken. Let's take this first step across the living room so that people can rejoice. We read in the one-year Bible this morning that all of heaven rejoices when one sinner repents. Well, I'll tell you what, I think Jesus rejoices when we're water baptized. And then there is... This thing of taking a next step in church. We've got to be water baptized. But what about, what about church? Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19 says, You are a member of God's very own family and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. Every other Christian. You are a child of God. If you've committed your heart to Jesus, you are. And really there's only two institutions that God put together to glorify himself on this earth. One was, uh, you know, the, the church is one. That, that's one of them. And, and then there is the family. The family, marriage, Jesus and the church, man and wife, children, fruitfulness, expansion, procreation, and then the local church. It glorifies God. And these two institutions are inseparable, if you ask me. The family together with the church. And, and then, you know, I, I want to read a sentence to you. I want you to really get this. People only go as far as their understanding of the value of the local church allows them to. I'm gonna read it again. People only go as far as their understanding of the value of the local church allows them to. What you value, you give your resources to. You understand that? And so within this room today, right here in this room, I love to speak to this room because all of these people are found in the room. What I'm getting ready to tell you, there are some people in every category that I'm getting ready to share with you. There is first the crowd. I mean, there's this crowd of people. We had a great crowd last Sunday. It was a wonderful crowd of people. Got a great crowd of people in here today. The crowd are people, you know, and, and, and really what, what they're saying, they're like, uh, I'm coming and seeing. I'm, I'm, I'm coming to see. And, and it's good. You need to come and see. Did you know that when you're checking a church out, if you're checking a church out uh, t today, if you're checking Northwood out, you need to really check out a local church. You need to understand where you're headed and what, what you do. But I can give you some indication of what makes up a good church. And this is what makes up a good church. 
I think a good church is made up of, of a place where the presence of God is resident. Where God's presence is there. And also where the word of God is being preached in an understandable way. Not just me hollering at you. You know what I'm saying? And then the, the love of God has got to be resident in the people that are there. And, and then there has to be life change taking place. If you've got those four things operating in a church, the word of God, the presence of God, the love of God, and life change, then you've got a good church. I know we go a lot by style. We go a lot by, do I like that guy up there? You know, some of you are looking at me and saying, I don't know if I like that guy. You know what I mean? He's getting kind of old. I don't know. I mean, you know, he might be, be the guy. Well, I got some young preachers that are going to be preaching too. So if it's about old or young, we got both. We got cream for your coffee. Come on now. But it's come and see and kick the tires and you should. And all of us have been in the crowd at one time or another. We've all been there and that's okay. As a matter of fact, most everybody's been somewhere in here or headed somewhere where I'm going here. The, the next is the congregation. And that's where we say, come and join us. It's a congregation of people. It's like somebody saying, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to start coming pretty regularly. I think, I'm, I think I kind of like this thing. I, I, I think I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm really, really going to come and join what's going on. I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm going to take regular attendance. I'm going to feel real good about what's going on, you know. Uh, but, but I want to say this. If you're checking Northwood out, I want you to take your time. Just take your time and make sure this is the place you want to be. Nobody's going to force you into anything. We're going to offer things. We're going to encourage you. But take your time. I know many of you taking time. I, I love to watch people. You know, they come in, they, they, they eat a little bit, and then they go away for a little while. Then they say, you know, they pop back in, they eat a little bit more. And then say, you know, I think I'll kind of like this. They get to know things, and then they, they get a little bit more involved. They're, they're, you're in the congregation, and guess what? That's okay. Take your time. But then it goes, the next step goes a little bit further, and that's the committed. And that's where we say, come and grow with us. Come on and grow with us. You say, well, how, how am I going to grow? Come on, get in the growth track. Come on, get, start getting involved with this thing. If it's your thing and if you want to be part of it, then you want to come and you want to grow with us in what's going on. Because a church is definitely a place where you can get help. Now, people in the, in the, <laughs> in the committed here, they're sort of like, I love my church because it does this or that for me. I love Northwood because they've got a great children's ministry. Or I love Northwood because the, I love the worship. Oh, man, you know, or whatever. And it's sort of like this mentality of what can the church do for me? And guess what? The church needs to be able to do something for you because the church is not doing anything for you. It's not of much use. So we need to, we are consumers. We're all consumers. We all consume all sorts of things, you know, and we consume church also. And so it's all right. You know, everybody needs to be served. And we, we are being served. But then there's the fourth group of people. Remember, we're taking steps here. And with each step, there's a little crisis there. But then there's the core of people. And the core of people, we say, come and serve with us. That's where you get involved. You really get involved. You start being locked in the church. You start saying, you know what? I'm going to get on a team. I'm going to serve people. You know, we had over 300 people serve at Easter at all three of our locations. I mean, just a tremendous, I mean, it's just so wonderful. Like this morning when you drove up, there were men in the parking lot serving you in the rain. Am I right? Come on, did you give them a high five or at least wave to them and say, thank you, thank you. 
people who serve every day, and, and that's the core of people. I, I think about last Sunday, for you who were here, and I know some of you may have not been here, but that's, that song we did uh, at the end with the beautiful graphics, and did, did you like that? Wasn't that just beautiful? Yeah, you know, that took one of our staff members 20 hours to do one song. You didn't get that, did you? 20 hours to do that one song. I tell you, that's serving. 20 hours. Come on now. The teams are just to make Sunday morning happen at Northwood. Because the service, understand this, is a complete experience. Northwood is not just about what I preach. This is not just a preaching center. And today it's not just about preaching. It's the whole experience. You know how it is. It's an experience from the parking lot all the way to the pulpit. You know, from me to the children's ministry, serving your children, your little babies in the nursery, all the way to children's ministry, all the way up. It's all about an experience from beginning to end. And in order to do that, it takes a core of people that are willing to serve. And I guarantee you, once you get involved serving, everything changes about the way you view church. Everything. I could line people up across this stage for an hour telling you how things changed when I begin to serve others. See, because we come to be served and we should be served, but then the ultimate is I come to be served, that's great, but I am going to serve also. I'm going to be served three times a month, but one time a month I'm going to serve. And you say, well, do we need people to help serve? Yeah, we always need people. Absolutely. All the time. We're not ashamed of that. The church grows, there's always a greater demand as a church grows. And so I want to just encourage you on that. But then there's the fifth group of people, or the fifth step up, and that is the commissioned. And that's where we say, come and die with us. The commissioned. It's an all-in. It's, it's your whole life, your whole family, all of your hopes, all of your giftings, your complete future. Everything is locked up in God in his local church. Everything is that way. You're fully fulfilled by fully fulfilling your mission with God. Some people don't want to take this place here. And some people think that this place means I have to preach in a pulpit, which is just a misunderstanding completely. But I will tell you this, and I will use my own personal life. Jan and I were away from God, did not know God, not know anything about God or his word or anything at all, none of his principles, but we got saved. We were totally transformed. Our life was turned upside down. Man, when I sang that song this morning, my heart just broke wide open. I am a child of God. I am. As hard as it is to believe, and knowing all the circumstances, I am a child of God. And because of that, when I realized the power of his forgiveness, the power of how he can change a life, I went all in. We went all in quickly. That's against my nature, but we went all in. I mean, you know, we went into other things that were, that were illegal and ungodly, slowly but sure, we just began to tread in very slowly. But with God, we just dove in. And we, we, we gave everything we had to God in the local church, everything. We dedicated our family before we had a whole family. There were unborn children that we dedicated to God before they were born. We gave everything. Our life was surrounded and enwoven by the local church. We didn't gripe about the local church. We loved the local church. We loved to go to church. We, couldn't, we had to sit on the couch and wait to go to church because we were so early. 
We never were trailing behind. We never came in on the third song with all the kids crying with peanut butter smeared down their face. We never did that. Man, everybody was ready and rolling and ready to go, and here we go, and it was every day. It was Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Sunday school, never miss. Gave ourselves tithes and offerings and missions and giving and giving and sharing, and each time a new step came, we just stepped up on that step. Unsure many times, maybe not completely prepared, but let me tell you something. You make the steps, and I guarantee you, before your foot hits the ground, God's going to give grace that's sufficient for you to accomplish what he wants you to accomplish. See, people got to start relying upon the grace of God and living in faith. Living in faith, man. You know, I said when we when we left our secular job, if you want to call it that, work, working in accounting and things of that nature. I I just took a cut in pay. It wasn't fifty percent; about sixty-seven <laughs> percent. But the problem is, my bills didn't take a cut. We live by faith. Some of the best times of our entire life. Full-time ministry comes out of people who are ready, really to be, ready to be commissioned and to die, to come and die. God's going to be calling people to do all sorts of things. God may be calling you right now. When you're all by yourself, you feel this urge to preach or this urge to teach or this urge to serve, and he's calling you, and you've got to start answering that call. And to so many of you, that's so strange. To so many of you, it's so hard to take the next step. But I tell you what, we just read today that Joshua took the next step in the one-year Bible when God said, go across the Jordan River. And what happened? As soon as they put their foot in the river, it spread wide open, and they walked off on dry ground. You put your foot in the water. Go ahead. I dare you to and see what God will do. I guarantee you what he'll do, he'll do something greater than you think he could do. So these are steps in the local church. You need to take a step in the local church. And then third, you need to grow up. I mean, we need to grow up. I love Ephesians 4, 14 in the message paraphrase. It says, no prolonged emphases among us, please. We'll not intolerate babes in the woods, small children who are at an easy mark for imposters. God wants us to grow up, to know the whole truth and tell it in love like Christ in everything. We take our lead from Christ, who is the source of everything we do. We, he keeps us in step with each other. His very breath and blood flows through our, our veins. We just read, we just sang that. Your blood flows through my veins. Nourishing us so that we will grow up healthy in God, robust in love. And again in Ephesians 2, 2 verse 12, we just read, I want to read it again. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. You want to grow up? I'm going to give you a quick way to grow up. You ready? Obey God. Obey God with deep reverence and fear. When you fear God with a healthy fear, you're, you, you reverence him. He's not the big man upstairs. He's not just this loco dude over here, or, you know, the, the, the crazy dude over there like some people say, or, or there is no, but when you reverence him as, as the creator of the universe and you obey him, great things begin to happen and the way you obey him, folks, I'm, you know, I, can I be redundant with you? The Apostle Paul said, you know, come with me in my folly and listen. The word of God is what will give to you the fear of God. The word of God gives you the mind of Christ. The word of God shows you the character of God. We cannot neglect the word of God and expect to advance in God. You must receive the word of God. It develops our reverence. It develops our fear. It also develops 
our whole heart with God. And when we have the Word of God, and we mix that with the worship of God in prayer, I mean, folks, what did you feel this morning in worship? Did you let go of yourself in the earthly thoughts and just embrace the presence of God? And when you embrace the presence of God, great things happen in your life. Wonderful things take place in your life. And growth takes place in your life. It's what God desires. God is working in you, the Bible says, in Philippians 2. God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. The power of God comes through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, who is resident in every believer. The difference between Peter denying Christ and Peter preaching Christ was the baptism of the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Spirit of God on the day of Pentecost. And the Holy Spirit is so wonderful. In John 14, 26, he's called the Comforter, the Counselor, the Helper, the Intercessor, the Advocate, the Strengthener, and the Standby, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, in my place, to represent me and act on my behalf. He will teach you all things, and he will cause you to recall, he will remind you of all things and bring to your remembrance everything I have told you. The Holy Spirit, it's the power of God. The power of God is not just this thing out there just, just like electricity or something. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. What brings the power of an individual is the Holy Spirit. You receive him, you embrace him, you know him. He speaks to you, he guides the believer. They that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. He leads us, but it takes time to develop a relationship with him to where you can just hear his voice. And not that he's just rattling off all kind of junk all day long, you know, blah, 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 like a blabbermouth. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will speak one word. It might be something like, why? And you know exactly why he said why. Why? Why did you say that? Or you don't have to go there. Or you need to watch that person. Or would you just tell that person? Or love your wife. Or you haven't been treating your children right. He doesn't speak volumes all the time. He doesn't have to because when you know the Holy Spirit is speaking and guiding you, it brings power into your life. He wants to help you so desperately and you need his help so desperately. And if you'll seek him, you'll find him. You will. And he will fill you and he will empower you like never before. And many of the things that you struggle with, you will defeat them by the power of the Holy Spirit. So let me just share with you three things that you can maybe get a hold to that's going to really, really help you. Talk about make, taking these next steps. You know, we need to follow the example set by Christ. I mean, we need to follow Jesus. John chapter 2 verse 4 says, Whoever says, I know him, I perceive, recognize, understand, and am acquainted with him, but fails to keep and obey his commandments 
his teachings is a liar and the truth of the gospel is not in him you know sometimes with this thing of obedience and, and following after the example of Christ we hesitate and we do oh I wonder what look let's just take the advice of Nike just do it <laughs> just, just 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 do it or, or we could put a new slogan just obey just obey when you read the scripture just obey the scripture Hey, not, not with some drudge like, oh my, I'm going to have to try to obey. No, just, hey, Lord, I'm willing to obey. And you'll see that the joy of the Lord becomes your strength. You, you follow the example of Jesus in obeying what you know he's telling you to do. If he's telling you to be water baptized, don't hesitate. Let's just do it. Then also, we need to demonstrate our changed life. You know, if you've truly been changed, guess what's going to happen? There's going to be a change in your life. Pastor Jordan just quoted this scripture. He just read the scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If any man, if anybody's in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone. The new is here. That's the changed life. The old is gone. The new is here. And you demonstrate that life everywhere you go. I mean, it's just like, here I am. I'm a new, I'm a new creation. You, you know, it's just like, who cares, man? I've already died with Christ, so here I'm new, and guess what? I hope you like the new because this is what it's going to be like from now on. I mean, that's basically what we told our family in so many words. Say, we're in Jesus. Jesus saved us. We're different. We're going to be different now. And in 10 days, it'll be 35 years, and we've been 35 years different. And we've not wavered from the call of Christ. Never, especially in front of those that knew us prior to Christ we will walk straight and we will represent Jesus properly and we will demonstrate our changed life. And third is, you have to declare your commitment to him publicly. Come on now, folks. Look, everybody's coming out of the closet now. Everybody. You know what I mean? I want to let you know I've been, a, I've been a, you know, a news person for the last 24 years, but I want to tell you I'm an alcoholic, you know. I want to tell you I'm this. I want to tell you I'm that. Well, it's time for the Christians to come out of the closet. Honestly, folks, it's time to come out. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just time to come out and just say, I'm not ashamed of Christ, for he is the hope of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. The scripture tells us in Matthew 10, whoever acknowledges me before others, Jesus speaking, these are red letters, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. That's heavy scripture. That comes from the mouth of Jesus. I'm gonna obey that. I'm just gonna do that. I'm not going to be ashamed of my God in a perverse generation, for my God is the hope of that generation. There is no hope outside of the local church. There is no hope outside of Jesus Christ. There is no hope, none whatsoever. Jesus is the answer. You say, well, how do I do that? Well, very simply, you share what God has done in your life. You tell people, quit being ashamed of your Jesus. Put it out front. You got a new job, first thing I'll tell everybody, hey, I want to just let you know, I, I, I love being here, it's a great thing. I want to let you know, hey, I'm a church person. 
Settle that up front. And that way when you make a mistake on the job, you can repent, ask forgiveness, and demonstrate the power of God in a person's life and how Christians are supposed to act. You stand firm on moral standards. I wanna let you in on something. There are still moral absolutes. There are still moral absolutes. God has not changed his moral absolutes. Everything's changing and everybody's trying to change God. But I tell you what, what was wrong with God 100 years ago is still wrong with God. What God says is right is right and what God says is wrong is wrong. And their moral absolutes is sometimes there's just not gray areas and there surely are not 50 shades of gray. There are not that many shades of gray. Sometimes there's just a straight delineation between what God pleases God and what displeases God. And we're trying to make that gray air. We're trying to walk that tightrope. Why walk that? Get way over in God over here. Get way over. Get away from the demarcation point between good and evil. Man, get all the way in God and forget about that. Eat from the tree of life and forget about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Come on now. And then side with God in everything. I don't have to understand everything, but I'm on God's side whether I understand it or not. You read in the Old Testament, they, they jumped over the walls of Jericho that had fallen down and they killed everybody in that city except for a prostitute and her family because she helped the people of God. That doesn't make any sense to me. Kill everybody. But you know what? I side with my God. I'll not side with my intellect and I surely will not side with the liberal people of this world who hate God. Come on now, represent God well. Adjust yourself, adjust. Let's take a next step today. Come on, let's bow our heads together right now. Let's close our eyes and just get along with God for just a moment right there if you don't mind. Just if you don't mind, just along with God. Everybody quiet, nobody moving around. Such a decision making time right here. What is your next step? Maybe you need to start serving. Maybe it's giving. Maybe it's praying. Maybe you need to be water baptized. Maybe you need to seek God more. Maybe your next step is to surrender to a calling God has put on your life. There's so many different steps and so many different plateaus that people are on. But you are occupying that one space in time with your God. Right now, right where you are, settle that with the Lord right now. For some of you, it's just do it. Just sign up and be water baptized. Some of you, it's just, just go ahead. Take the next step that you know you need to take in God and in his church. But then there's some of you in this room right now that really what you need to do is take your first step. And that step is the first step towards Jesus. And that step is simply saying, Jesus, I want to receive you. I don't even want to longer be a slave to sin. I don't want to be a slave to the things of this world. I don't want to be a slave to life in general. I want you. And the way you do that is just like the Philippian jailer. You just believe on the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved. That's a real heart. That's from a revelation that Jesus is Lord. And if you're in this room right now and that's you, you say, Pastor Van, I'm not near to Jesus right now. 
I want to commit my life to him. Some of you is to recommit your life. Whatever it takes, you want to get in right standing with God right this moment. If that's you right this moment, I'm getting ready to pray with you right where you are, just right in your seat right there. I just want you to do one thing while every head is bowed. I want you to just lift your hand up real quick, real high and say, Pastor, pray with me right now. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir, right there. Thank you, sir, right here. Yes, thank you, sir, to my left. Yes, thank you. Yes, right here, you ladies. Thank you so much. Right here in the front. Thank you. You say, I'm ready. Thank you, ma'am. Anybody else before I pray, just shoot it up. If you haven't shot it up, just right up in the air. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you, yes. Now, before I pray, I want you to listen to me, you who just raised your hand. You're not getting ready to be involved in a religious ceremony. What you're getting ready to do is dedicate your life completely to Christ. You're getting ready to give yourself over to your God who in, in exchange for you giving yourself over, he is going to start to work in you to give you the desires to be pleasing to him. And you need to be ready for those changes. So right where you are, I want to lead you in a prayer. And I want you to repeat after me. I'm going to say some words to help you. But you're praying to your God. Say, Father in heaven. That's right, just repeat that. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sin. And I ask you to come inside of me and change me from the inside out. I surrender my will to you. I accept what Jesus did on the cross for me. And I believe in him and everything he represents. I am now, I am now a child of God. And I thank you for saving me today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. Come on, come on. Thank you so much and take your next step. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God. So we'd love to help you with your next steps. If you'll go to northwood.tv connect and fill out the information, our lead pastor, Van DeCody, wants to send you a letter that tells you some steps to take in order to maintain your new relationship with God. We'll also give you some information about Northwood Church. We are one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and Long Beach. If you live in one of those areas, we'd love to see you at one of our services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv locations, for service times and directions. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv give. You can give a one-time donation, or you can sign up for our online community called MyNC and set up a recurring gift. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you next time.